It's all in the game with Neil Atkinson and David Downey on City Talk 105.9. Good evening, City Talk 105.9. Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you until seven o'clock this evening. Always nice to be up the tower. When I was uh, walking down here, there was a, there was a, there was a three-year-old lad, I think, with his well, what I presume was his grandparents, looking up at the, he was looking up at the tower like he couldn't believe anything existed. That was so high and so big, Dave. It does make <laughs> it makes you feel proud to be, here, doesn't it? It's very nice. And do you know what's lovely as well is like when I have to use people's heads to not squint outside the window because the sun's glaring in my eyes. Sorry, Dave, I love, this time, I love this time of year. Yeah, just don't move your head. Just start to sit completely still, Neil. <laughs> sit completely still. Yeah. I should, oh. I should just really close my eyes because I need to be able to hear you, don't I? So. It's, it's, it's a good use of my head. Yeah. It's a good use of my head. Uh, <laughs> Stephen Gerrard failed to use his as Liverpool got fell to a 2-1 defeat against Manchester United yesterday. That uh, was an excellent lining. That was excellent. Smooth as anything. Uh, smooth as anything. Uh, Everton got themselves a 2-1 win that I believe they didn't <clears> deserve. Didn't see any of it Dave, you can tell me about it uh, in a few minutes or so. We'll do. Should we do Liverpool first? Only we do Everton first. But you know, you never feel more yeah, like yeah. singing the blues than when Everton win and Liverpool lose. <laughs> I, wish it, I wish it felt like that, to be honest with you. Well, we'll, we'll get, we'll get on to that. Cause I'm intrigued by this. I think that there's a skill to winning ugly, uh, and it, it's it, the only way you learn it is to start doing it. Um, I think that there's, there's Liverpool's performance against Manchester United is is for me it's one of the strangest performances for a while. Not least because of the amount of the a lot of the qualities that were missing from the performance in the first half appeared in the second after they'd gone down to 10 men. And that when the totemic captain, who's been brought on as a sub to save the day, gets himself sent off, suddenly Liverpool, they had more zip, they had more pace, mm. they had more bite into the tackle, they were more aggressive, they were more direct, they looked more like a football side that were going to get a result. And it's not a matter of, of it being... A half-time change or anything like that. It's that if there was ever any excuse to start hiding the way in which it looked like two or three Liverpool players were first half, it's when Gerrard gets sent off. That's the moment when if you're Jordan Henderson, you can you could excuse the idea of turning around going, well, what are we meant to do now? Yeah. But they didn't do that. And this is where the way currently the way Liverpool is set up, and I think it's all interlinked. I think the tactical's interlinked into the mental. I think the mental's interlinked into the technical. I think at the, I think there's a tiredness factor, but I also think there's a factor around the fact that they're no longer playing two games a week. I think there's this mesh of things that are leading Liverpool to start games quite slowly, mm. and I think when it just became... We've got to just sort this out. When, they went, when it went to 1-0 and Gerrard got sent off, when it just became those lads looking at each other going, we've just got to sort this out now. It felt like it was almost, they almost understood a lot more of what it was that they had to do. Yeah, I think um, it, it was just it, it was crazy. Aside from the sending off, I thought it, it, the way Liverpool started, it, it lacked a certain intensity that you some almost thinks assured um, in games like this. I, I thought I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I mean, perhaps I'm wrong. I mean, Moreno probably had too much intensity, which is exa- exactly why he was uh, as half-hearted and uh, yeah. you know reckless as he was. And I thought that was an extraordinary performance from him. It was uh, in, in every wrong way possible. Um, and and the, the game as a whole, as well. I mean, I've heard the plaudits for United, and I've heard you know, well, it's all Liverpool's sort of. Liverpool being poor that's made United look so good I think there's something in between there that's probably hits the nail on the head rightly uh, I thought United were impressive for the first 30 and controlled the midfield exceptionally well um, you know Fellaini obviously a much lamented figure around here but you know he was effective and he, he did what you know, we, we used to see at Everton in terms of when the ball goes to him, it sticks. And funnily enough, you, I could do with a little bit more of that at Everton at the moment, but obviously we'll get onto that in a little bit of time. But um, I, I didn't 
I didn't expect that from Liverpool. I, I, do you know what, Neil? I, I went into it that convinced that you were going to win that game because I thought it was a perfect circumstance in, in, in context for Liverpool because it arrived at a point where you had that lucky win against Swansea um, and then, you know, you, you sort of expect the team to, having rid that to... You know, completely kick on from there and say, "Well, hang on, boys. You know, we've got we've got away with one there. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again." Add that to the fact that it is Man United at home. It's you know Liverpool's biggest home game of the season, if not in parallel with Everton. And it just seemed like a perfect set of circumstances with Liverpool go and dominate this game and win it by two or three. And that's exactly what I thought. Is exactly what I told the bookies. I thought as well to uh, to me detriment in the end, and it it just didn't pan out that way. And it was almost like that, that sort of set of circumstances that I've just described. It was almost the perfect storm in contrast to that that happened. It, was, it wasn't it was the fiery sort of let's get into these straight away start, which, you know, you probably you probably give a, a lot of credit to a team who starts a big game in that sort of way where they're, they're trying to sort of, you know, temper the, the, the aggression in a, in a game like that. But... I mean, it probably went too much the other way and there wasn't well, enough of it from certain individuals. I think this is the fascinating thing about Liverpool over the last... If you look at <clears> this, <throat> since Liverpool have made this change, I think what's happened, and I think it's been happening if you look at the last three games now, United, Swansea and Blackburn, Liverpool have sort of got themselves into a place where they're so very structured. Liverpool play really calm, composed football yeah. all over the pitch when it's going well it's calm composed football it's you know for instance use the, use the Bolton and Blackburn FA Cup nil nils as, as, as exemplars for this Th- these games Liverpool they're just playing football and they're trusting that at some point they'll keep it tight at the back and at some point the greater class will tell out yeah, it's inevitable that at some point that we'll be better than them and I think that there's an issue currently which is that the thing about this setup and this approach is that it's leading to to the attempt to be more considered and more controlled is leading to not having a rambunctiousness. And even, I mean, four weeks ago we had a conversation, I think, about Liverpool not scoring enough goals. And this is the issue, I think. It's, I think it remains the issue for all the things that went wrong. I think they all stem back to the idea that you'd effectively not got enough attacking players on the pitch. You won, you won short somewhere. And I think that there's... The way in which Liverpool are playing, they're thinking, we'll just wear you down, we'll get the ball, we'll knock it round, we'll wear you down, there'll come a point where you can't run anymore, we'll just keep going, we'll just keep playing. And I think that, that that's hugely admirable. But I do think that there's the converse of it is that you need to, if you're going to start fast and you're going to start strong, you need to do that because you're carrying a massive threat. That's the first. That's the first thing that you do in football. You know, you've got to have this idea that we're going to do this. We're going to go fast. We're going to be. We're going to get the ball into their final third. And I just think these last three or four games in this shape, maybe even five or six, with one or two exceptions, it's been a little bit too straightforward for Liverpool to throw in the sort of performance. Use the the the, the Derby Goodison's a really strong example, where. At no point are Liverpool not in control of the game, but they find themselves in some way, shape or form slightly neutered. Mm. And I think that that's the problem, and I think it's very difficult to play impotent. Sort of, you to say play so potent it's sort of like football. a sleepwalking effect almost? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's a little bit like that. I think it's... I just think it's this idea that we... And, and I think it's good for you when it works. You know, we can... We just keep playing all the time. But I just don't think... Forget the goals for a second. Liverpool aren't creating enough chances. And I think that's my key concern. And I think that it's easy to... If you feel as though you're going to create a load of chances, I think it's easy to start games at a really high tempo and on the front foot because you're thinking, we're going to we're gonna blow them away. You know, we saw a lot of that last season mm. where Liverpool had this impression before the ball's kicked. We're going to... 
we're going to make it happen here. We've got, you know, we've got three goals in us, and any any day, any time, any place, we've got three goals in us. And I think that there's an attitude there that's stronger in a sense. There's a more of a, a winning mentality that's being fostered. And it was even good to see that at, uh, at yesterday's game after Liverpool went two 0 down and down to ten men. Liverpool still had something in them, like we can get back into this. And I thought that that was a, that was a good thing yeah. to see. But I think that currently you need. If you're going to try and do it all the time with surgical precision, which is effectively what Liverpool are trying to do, if you've got to do it all the time with absolute surgical precision, then you, you'd leave, you, leave yourself even less of a safety net and you can't afford to carry any passengers. So when, for instance, if you, the way United played, they dragged Henderson out of position, pulled him back because someone had to deal with Fellaini and Joe Allen couldn't. And then you've, you're in the situation where Lallana's now not playing anywhere. He's, he's not really on the pitch. And I, I think that it's time... And I think that, and I think it's also an English football thing. I think in this league, there's a lot to be said, unless you're very sure about what you're doing, to have two forwards, to have two lads who are acting as forwards, because all Liverpool managed to achieve yesterday was completely isolating Daniel Sturridge, and they didn't give themselves the option of when they were under pressure in, the, in, the, in that early going with United. You know, if you, by all means, we, we can talk about Suarez and all this sort of stuff. Mentally drop Suarez back in. What would that have given you the option of yesterday? The idea of just banging in 50 yards. Yeah. Trusting that Suarez and Sturridge can chase it into a corner, can tr- cause some havoc, put the wind up them, mean that they have to drop off, give them something to worry about. And I do think that Liverpool want to play and play and play. And I love the fact that I love the way these lads, they want to play and play and play. But I do think there's a time and a place for the idea of an out ball. And I don't. I just don't think Liverpool had it against uh, against Manchester United yeah. for the first <clears throat> until they got to about half an hour, and then Henderson broke forward more. It was quite clear the manager he was trying to get a message on before the goal. I was looking at him before the goal, thinking do something here, mm. but he was trying to get a message on about changing it, um, and they <clears> didn't <throat> change it. But I, I think it's this, and that's your little. That's the the that's and that's been the concern. Sturridge looks isolated. And in Raheem Sterling, you've got a potential partner for him. Uh, Mario Balotelli on the bench, and I thought Balotelli did all right when he came on. You've got a partner for him there. And I just wonder if, in trying to accommodate, it's Lallana that you'd end up being the person that you name here, but in trying to accommodate that one more player there, there's there's just a time and a place for maybe, for it being able to give you the option of a bit more direct and know that you'll have weight and numbers in the box. Yeah, that's spot on. I I think, you know, (coughs) the proof was in the pudding that United actually had that in Fellaini. Um, it, it could go to him at any time, and, and the one thing he is good at, you know, he has his flaws, is is letting keeping the ball stick, uh, letting the ball stick to him, and it gets your side of the pitch quickly. Um, you know, funnily enough, all, all of these problems seem to be identified in our Everton players. Well, Neil, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear that sort of uh, comparison, but I, I think ultimately, <clears throat> you, you if you put the game in context uh, of how the season's gone for Liverpool and, and how they've played. Um, it, it's, it is. Do you, do you think that's a caveat to the the shape and the way Liverpool are playing at the moment? The way you say there's there's a there's a calmness, there's you know an assuredness about how they play. Do you think the caveat is in these bigger games that should be high intensity? That is what ultimately makes you not as effective with oh, them. They had high, they had high intensity against City. They got the high intensity going against <clears> City. I mean, it was the first five City were on top, but then Liverpool just yeah. started playing and they got to play. Uh, but the key thing to remember in City is Liverpool's two goals both come from shots outside the area. That's, I mean, and this is this is the marker. We're, we're thirty games in now, and Liverpool have only scored forty-four goals in, all, in in the league, and that's that's just simply nowhere near good enough. It's, it's the extent to which that is nowhere near good enough is is huge, and that's a 
product of having started the season slowly. There's been the issue around Sturridge's injury and the impact that's had on, on, on Liverpool's season and Sturridge. But it's also, I think, Liverpool have sacrificed uh, elements of what made the play successful for them last season in terms of the chaos that, that, that could happen during a Liverpool game. And these players, I think, they respond well to that chaos. The 15 minutes after Gerrard gets sent off before Mata gets his second is Liverpool's best, pe- best period in the game when no one knows what's going on. You know, Liverpool are effect- have effectively put, st- uh, put um, Sterling up front next to Sturridge. They're now playing 4-3-2 without Gerrard in there. And I think the game was... And You could see United didn't know what to do. What do we do about this yeah. now? There's lots of things happening that we don't entirely understand. Let's just make the best of it, lads. Joe Allen's playing centre-mid. Coutinho's basically playing left-mid and Henderson's playing right-mid. And they, they, they were quite a compact shape and they were looking to release the ball quickly. And these, these lads, Sterling in an attacking sense, Henderson... Last season, you saw the way in which these footballers respond well to chaos. Mm. They respond well to games being being out there on a limb. And that's what you think would be a given playing United at home as well, don't you? You think you, think you want to put it in the mixer all the time. You'd, you'd want the 50-50s. You'd, you'd want that general close him down, get to him faster. The crowd, obviously react to that sort of thing as well it, it, it's what makes a game of United against yeah. United so you know eventful but it's what you've been working on what you've been working on for, for months is this idea that Liverpool have the ball they stroke it round they do this to do that there's, there's every chance able to bring it out you know there's, there's what you work on and I think that there's got to be with an eye on next season it's with a serious eye on next season but Liverpool fundamentally they have scored at half the number of goals they should have scored for me in terms of should the, have in terms of chances you've seen no, them no, should have in terms of, of, should, of what you, in terms should, of, you would expect in terms of what I'd like to say I mean half half's a bit harsh yeah. but what I mean is you know at I, least I, 20 I think well, I think there should be yeah I think th- because that's what that's what this Liverpool that's what Liverpool have been good at and I think that's the key thing that's what fired them up the table last season that still remains if you've if you've constantly got goals in you and I'm very boring on this but if you've constantly got goals in you then you're constantly a threat and it changes the way in which people approach you and it means that they, they don't maybe they don't try to get at you aggressively in your own ground for the first 10 minutes what do you think instead is we best watch these lads mm-hmm. and instead Liverpool have got themselves into a position where United were able to work out how to isolate Daniel Sturridge but Liverpool don't have help. At it's, times, they don't have help. Yeah, it, it's funny you say that, though, Neil, because I, I thought Sturridge was was decent yesterday. I, I thought he played quite well. Yeah, it's a bit of debate about this one. Um, I, I don't think I was paying enough attention to what he was doing mm. one way or another. I was mostly just, just going, why is this happening? Make it stop. But <laughs> um, I do think that yeah, uh, I think his, his movement was bright. I just think he was helped when Balotelli came on. I just uh, the extent to which, uh, mm. I, I, but also when Sterling was up there, and I'd love to have seen what Liverpool were going to do actually for that period uh, after half time. If Gerard's you know done the decent thing and managed to stay on the pitch for even five minutes, we might have that additional data to find out what Liverpool were going to do. Yeah. But I do think that if Lalana, there's this other issue as well, and I've, I've, I'm saying it across a variety of formats. The, the other issue is you play two and one. There's Lallana, Liverpool pick it up, and what's the first thing that happens? Every single Liverpool player picks the ball up. What's the first thing they do? Where's Coutinho? All of them. Where's Coutinho? It's Coutinho is what John Barnes was in 1988. This idea that there's straight away, and Daglish used to say, Daglish said, what's, what's the tactic? Get it to Barnes as quickly as possible. And he'll sort something else. You look up, where's Coutinho? Because he can do everything. He can carry it, he can get it up the pitch, he, he, he gets it under control, he tends to pick the right option, he's playing so well. If you're Lallana, you've got to score to make it 1-1. Because you're not doing any of that stuff that he's doing. 
and you're certainly not doing it to the same level. Mm. So you've got to score to make it 1-1, because that's, that's therefore what you're there for, is to arrive onto the ball in the box. And if you don't, then you begin to be a bit redundant. But there is a conversation now, I think, which is that if you're going to play, if you're going to play this thing where you're playing 2-1, and one, why not just play 1-2? and two? Because if all you're doing is looking for Coutinho anyway, then just give him the full responsibility. And just say, that's you, that's what you're going to do now. And we'll head to you. Because there's this line that I think sometimes you, you, you've seen it sort of go through in the Liverpool side, Mignolet to Sacco, Sacco to Allen. Alan to Coutinho, Coutinho to Sturridge, mm. and that'd be what. Mm. What? And so if you can, if you're the opposition, what City, what United did yesterday, sorry, was, was stop Sacco to Allen. They stopped Sacco to Allen, and they so they made that a lot harder. And now Sacco's having to do slightly different things. They didn't worry about Sacco. They didn't try and stop Sacco from playing. They just made sure he couldn't pass to Allen, or if he could, Allen had two men on him straight away. Mm. So I think that if therefore if you're going to do that and you're just going to put everything through Coutinho, then don't just give him one option. Give him two. What do you think this does to uh, the result for the, the the fight for the top four now then? Because I, I ultimately thought it didn't mean too much, to be honest with you. It, it, regardless of which way it went, I always thought United have the, had the uphill battle because they've got still got Chelsea, Arsenal and City in the next six. But so, we've, we've got to go to Chelsea and Arsenal, which is the thing everyone seems to have conveniently forgotten. <laughs> everyone keeps talking about how hard United's running is, and it is a little tougher than ours, but we've still got to go to Chelsea and Arsenal. Mm. Um, I think that fundamentally we need to take four points from Chelsea and Arsenal. And and see what happens in all the others. Yeah, I was. It was funny because I, I was listening on uh, on Friday to to you offering the lads. Basically, would you would you would you take two? Yeah, and I think and I I would have. To be honest, I, I didn't I didn't answer that myself. I would have taken two mm. before the ball was kicked. I would have taken two because what it would have meant was it would have been two from three, and we'd have had the easier. We'd have had, the, and then we have. And it's nullifying them as well, isn't it? it? They're not getting points from you. It completely nullifies that, um, and then and then you go from there. I think Liverpool have got to aim to effectively add eighteen more points. That's six wins. I think if Liverpool can get six wins, that gets them up to seventy-two. If someone gets more than seventy-two at this stage, you probably have to go. All right. Um, you know, 72-75. I think if you're Liverpool, you've got to be looking at six wins. Well, that's what I cruelly had to do last season, Neil. Exactly. <laughs> this on 72. Yeah, you've got to, I think you've got, to, you've got to go now and have the attitude of, we win. if we win six of these remaining games, then we'll be... Then we, you know, it, it sets a marker. I'd take now in the clubhouse 74. If you said, can you have, would you take 74 in the clubhouse now? Yeah, I'd take 74. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very, very difficult, though. And I think that there's not much room for manoeuvring. Again, this is what goals is about. Goals means that when you're playing the poorer side, you're likely to blow them away. This is why I'm worried about the lack of chance creation. I'm worried about the lack of goals still. It's the old worry with for me this season is where's the goals coming from? Because I'm not looking at West Brom away. I'm looking at West Brom away already going, dropping points there. Because they'll just be horrific. Mm-hmm. And they'll just sit there and go, what Pulis are you going to do? Death. Yeah, they'll just pull us to death take a point, make it absolutely unbearable, be, and we haven't got, we're not playing in a manner which says, you're going to be dead sane, we're going to be dead sane, nil-nil. We haven't got the thing at the moment which says, we're going to go mad. Mm. We haven't got that in us. This is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and David Downey. After the break, we'll be talking about Everton and Queen's Park Rangers. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. Indeed, City Talk 105.9, Neil Atkinson and David Downey with you until 7pm. Um, with an ugly. Are you alright? It's done now. It's all over. I don't know, Neil. I mean, I, I'm still... What are you still? I'm still... I'm just still. Uh, <laughs> a bit like our season, I'm still. Uh, as in nothing's happening. And, well, plenty happened on Thursday night, and that's where, what I really still haven't got over, to be honest with you, because uh, it was it was devastating. It was heartbreaking. It was, uh, you know, every adjective you can probably think of to do with doom and gloom. It was... Um, it was hard to take. It was hard to take for a number of reasons. Uh, you know, 
every, every everything that you've sort of suffered as an Evertonian, which I've been for the last twenty years, um, sort of comes to fruition with results like that to happen mm. to our club. Um, and I, and I think it's very hard for older fans to understand it. I think because you know it, it leads people to come out with you know the the extremities that they do about the board about you know how how managers run squads uh, the usual knee jerk reactions that you get all come along with that result but for us it means a lot more i think because it it's sort of it's it's an it's a confirmation a dreaded confirmation of how poorly i'm going to say poorly in in how poorly everton's run uh, in terms of a mentality, in terms of an ethos, in terms of a philosophy at the club, and it's where I have a lot of sympathy with Roberto Martinez, just in this regard, because I think his his management's been largely very, very poor this season. Um, where I do have uh, take issue with the criticism of him is that you've got to remember the majority of that squad uh, is the one that operated for the majority of David Moyes' tenure mm-hmm. at Everton. Um, David Moyes' philosophy at Everton, rightly or wrongly, considering the circumstances, was uh, first of all consolidation. It was a 40 point target every season, and then kick on from there. As soon as you get to 40 points, then you start thinking of bigger and better things. That worked, we ran with that, and it fitted us comfortably. It fitted every fan comfortably at one point or another. It, it really did. It was something that we all bought into. It was something that. We enjoyed, we loved being, you know, as much as I've sat here and criticised that underdog tag that we've spoken about so many different times, Yeah, it's fitted us like a glove for so many years, it really did, um, because, you know, we had the backdrop of the Abramovich takeover, we had the backdrop of the Sky stuff, we had the backdrop of Liverpool winning the Champions League, you know, you, 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 it's easy to forget the city in which we're in, the contrast that we have yeah. between Everton and Liverpool, um, and that game on Thursday night to me was indicative of, of Everton over the last 20 years in terms of a lack of ambition and a mentality that sort of is, is inbred it's infested within the club from top to bottom and I don't think I'm being too strong saying that because it's it, it, it's it's difficult to, to evaluate a game oh we've played poorly there you know Alcaraz shouldn't have played John Stone should have been playing instead all of those things come along with any defeats. You know, you start saying what the manager should have done, what he shouldn't have done. There are those obvious points to make. But the fact that it ran with the narrative that Everton have had over the last 20 years is what really, really, you know, it, it hits me where it hurts because it, 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 there's no sign of it ever changing. Everton gets to the, the, the crucial points. And, and there's so many at the club, and I'm not going to name individuals, but the, the club have, have earned a good living on the back of us being so comfortable with that mm. narrative that... Where the, you know, perennial under the un, not underachiever with, with the perennial. You're very. Uh, la- we punch up our weight every year. You're very last sixteen. Yeah, we're, we're the ones that come good eventually. You know, we're, we're the oh, dad's army type. You know what I mean? It's it's all very nice, and we love being the underdogs. We love being that one who you don't think's got any chance, but they eventually come good. We love playing Man City because they've got all the money in the world, and we've got nothing. We're skint. That well, I don't care what anyone any fan says. They've loved that at some point. Some for all the entirety of it, some for a couple of years of it. They've all bought into it at some point. But the point I want to make is the senior people at the club, the people in charge, the decision makers, management, directors, officials, whatever you want to call them, they've all hung on that as well for far too long. There's no success, and I wrote a piece about this, you, you probably haven't read it yet, there's no success at Everton because nobody demands it. That, that That's simply the point, and I think that was evident on 
Thursday night because we come away from the last 16 tie in the Europa League and still you see I'm not, I'm not going to kick off on official club Twitter accounts because you know there's a time and a place for that but there's the backpacking you know there's the the, the back patting um, sort of thing that goes on from certain sectors of support and the club itself as in oh haven't we done great to get to the last 16 mm. Yeah, and I look at sides over the years like, and I explained them in the last hour that we just had with Lowen Sangi, you know, Swansea, um, Portsmouth. There's a plethora of teams that have won trophies with a let's just let's just go out and and, and do this mentality, and Everton shoot themselves in the foot a lot of the times because of this because, you know, it's all oh, you know we 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 sort of put ourselves on a pedestal in terms of a a class of fan I think. And a class of mentality, you know, the club badge, the club motto, Neil Satis and all that stuff. But does anyone actually really believe it, other than fans? Does anybody actually really believe it at the football club? And that's that's what really hurts about it. My word. I thought I think it's I think it's very difficult for I think <clears throat> there's the Portsmouth and the Swansea thing. I think they're two quite different things. Portsmouth was this idea that they were sort of all in for something. Mm. They were absolutely all in for something. But I don't think it's I don't think it's actually about winning an FA Cup or a League Cup. I think it's about I think Everton would love to do that and I think that that's but what I mean by that is it's about sort of the process that gets you there. And that's the worst thing I think about the the, the, the exit against Kiev was the fact that it just seemed glaringly obvious all along. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, you know, this idea that yeah. is 2-1 enough, is 2-1 not enough, all that sort of stuff, and the speed Ten, with which it, the capitulation happened. T- Ten minutes in, Neil, I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I've seen this before, and I really, you know, I've seen it before, the, the whole, the way it panned out, everything, it was just so reminiscent of, you know, Bucharest, yeah, Villarreal, yeah. uh, Lisbon as well, we played, uh, Benfica, sorry, we played... It was all very, very, you know, I've seen all this before, nothing's changed. And the reason I feel sorry for Martinez is because he's fresh to all this. He's had it enforced upon him. He seemed to be the exception to the rule last season, and that's where we all started dreaming again. And, you know, I'm speaking very sentimentally, but it is it is genuinely from the heart that I thought, and I still do think, he's the man, the type of man who very much changes all of that. He's the man that rids and, and, and sort of, you know, rids the club of this state, uh, almost like paralysis. That it's the, it's this, this, this sort of content paralysis about the club, Neil, that, that, that I think Everton have got, where they're very much, you know, let, let's make no bones about it. The, the people who are, the, the major stakeholders in Everton, apart from fans, are content for Everton to be in the Premier League. This... Not, nothing more. Anything more is a bonus, and and I, and I firmly, I firmly believe that. And I think that whilst that's the case, that just seeps down from the bottom. That is drip fed to everybody else at the football club, and I think things have got to change. And 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 on the pitch more than anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? Because we had the, Kiev weren't great. Did you watch the game? Yes, saw the game. Yeah, Kiev. Kiev they're not a good side. No. I mean, they they the great in their league and all that. But you know, you tell me that you go into that tie two one up, and you've got you, you score two goals away from home, and you're telling me you don't go through because they've got to score four to go through. Ultimately, it's ridiculous. I think I think it's a fascinating sort of situation that I think Everton are in because I I do think that it's it's interesting that you're talking about sort of a complete change of a mentality of a football club because that's that sort of thing's very very hard. Very few managers have managed it in the last. Yeah, you know, and I, it's extreme. I accept that it's extreme, and and and, and you know me, Neil. I haven't been knee jerk. I like to no, sit it's, and, it's, and consider it, but I, I do when I see that I think 
you know, why why we bothering with this again, lads? Why are we putting ourselves through this time and time again? Because Everton gets a defining point and ultimately, you know, it, it, it goes down the pan. I think it's I, I think it's very difficult for one manager and one set of players yeah, to make, to make that yeah, the yeah. sort of change that you're talking about. The thing about last season with Martinez was I got the impression he was doing it. Exactly. And I think the worst thing that happened for Martinez last season was that Manchester City game. Because the Manchester City game towards the end of the season is the one where a lot of the old stuff came oh, yeah. rushing back. If the, you know, if that could have been, if that could have been played three months earlier and Everton had yeah. had a nothing game that weekend and oh, all well, that sort of stuff. You know, it's, it's had Liverpool off, so it's sound. Is that Liverpool off? It's fine, you know. Let, let's let's all cheer. Let's all go and have a bevy in the night, lads, and buzz all of all of our mates that Liverpool aren't going to win the title. The t-shirt, that, picture, all that sort of yeah, stuff. That, that that's great. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's made my season. There's there's too many, and you know what? I'll probably include people at the club. There's too many who are con- you know who would take. Uh, uh, have we finished about Liverpool this season? Yeah, tick that box. Done. Season done. You know what I mean? That's what it's become. Uh, you know, too many content with that. If Liverpool finished. 17th and Everton 16th that'd be a decent season for a lot of people you know it, 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 there's a there's a time for a lot of home truths to come out and you know it, it it's just it's all very very you know we've done all this being here seeing it done it and you know like you said we've wore the t-shirt as well uh, that's and that's the, the the bit of it that, that that stands out I think I think that's that's where and you've got all of that to battle against and that I think that goes right the way back to, to 94 maybe even before 94 you know this idea of what went on since since 87 since the last league title the, Mike Walker's arrival so on and so forth I think that's that's the issue really where for Martinez it's going to be such an uphill battle because since 94 yeah. since certainly since uh, the, the moment I notice it's, it's Joe Royal's arrival but you know say what you want he won the FA Cup but you know there's, there's, there's that moment where I think mm. too much I don't think you can define. I don't think you can successfully, and this is one of the issues I think I've got around Mourinho uh, in a sense. Why I don't think he can, he can, he can do anything long term at a club is because he defines too much of what his clubs are about as against things. Exactly. You've got to define your football clubs as being yeah. for things, and I do think that that's where that's mm-hmm. what. I but that's what Martinez did last season, and the the, the, the extent to which Everton and, and the songs, the nature of the songs, the school of science is on its way back. All this sort of stuff. I thought that was a great example yeah. of of what was what was trying to be achieved. Yeah. And this is where I have sympathy with them um, because you know it, it, it only come in in chips and drabs last season that I thought of this sort of thing because and, and I can probably name a couple of, a couple of examples of it was well, obviously one of them was that City game the main one for me was Palace at home when we got beat 3-2 that would have put us back above Arsenal who won the previous night in fourth place and we lost 3-2 and, and Martinez was very damning of how we played, how we approached it, we were very, we approached it with trepidation. We were very cautious in our approach to Crystal Palace at home, and it, obviously we ultimately lost it three-two. And that was when I sat there and thought, well, hang on, you can make allowances for this because you think he's not going to do it in the season. He's not going to get rid of this, all, all of this sort of, you know, the the the, the type of thing. He's not going to get rid of that straight away. He's not going to get rid of that. You know, we love being underdogs. He's not going to. Get, it, 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 the, the, the contrast to that argument, Neil, you know, conversely, you look at the Arsenal game, which we won uh, 3-0 at home, where we absolutely battered Arsenal. It was one of the few times in, in many years where I've watched Everton and I've thought, do you know what, we think we're big time here. We, we think we've got this. Yeah. We, we think we're back amongst the elite. That arrogance thing that we always spoke about last season, that was so evident in that game, and I thought, that is the corner turn, that is a defining moment. It may t- still turn out to be that way, Obviously, you look at what's happened and, and gone this season, and, and obviously Thursday night as a as a defining moment, and uh, you know you, you're forced to think the other way. But 
that that's the ultimate contrast between this season and last was that that belief was there that sort of this can go anywhere there is no ceiling here and uh, this season it's very much we, we, we've hit one and it's very low <laughs> in a bungalow yeah <laughs> all in the game Neil Atkinson and David Downey more of this sort of thing after the break it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9 all in the game City Talk 105.9 uh, Dave Downey in uh, part two there lamenting the state of uh, um, Everton, in a sense, uh, in a very thorough sense, <laughs> frankly, Dave. I didn't realise what time it was, Neil, until looked then. Um, I, I tell you what, but they won a QPR, Dave. Oh, yeah, great, <laughs> great three points that, wasn't it? Well, it is a good three points. I mean, this is what I wanted to ask you. What I wanted to ask you was what you do from now to the end of the season. Well, because you look at that, I mean, the table's, <laughs> the table's crackers. I, I, I really like the table at the moment because if you if you just sort of go from the bottom up, there's effectively, there's a bottom uh, there's a bottom six, which is Hull to Leicester. Then there's another little mini league of Crystal Palace, Newcastle and Everton. Who's going to finish highest out of those oh. three? That's the, the big question. Well, it's, I don't even think that's the big question. Then above them, there's another mini league of Swansea, West Ham, and Stoke. Uh, who's going to finish higher out of those three? Um, and then you sort of keep pushing up there, and that's where Liverpool could quite quickly look like they were th- that they become distant from Manchester United in fourth if they don't if they don't get another couple of good results quite quickly. Uh, and they look like they're now dist- distant from a mini league yeah. that's above them. It's uh, Everton now. They're not going to go down. What you do? Well, I don't think the. Um Martin is a job is on the line. I don't. I, 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 in in terms of like, obviously, if he goes and loses the last eight, then obviously, it very much is. But I mean, I think the only thing he can do is uh, change the extent of which the pressure he'll be under in the summer is levelled at him. I think that's what he can alter by winning five, six of the last eight. Uh, fixes are quite kind to us, really, as well. Uh, it's something that you know he should be looking at doing. Um, you know, you, you look at that table. I'm thinking, what are we on now? 34 I'm thinking if he gets to if he, I mean uh, if he got to 50 I'd be of course I'd be very happy I, I would be very happy and I'd be a lot more optimistic going into the summer than I am at this point now uh, but you know given what's gone this season that's a million miles away so uh in, in in all in all, I'm actually not that bothered as long as we're in the division well, and and well, you're gonna he be does enough to be able to but should keep he play his job. The, should he play youngsters? Is this is this an opportunity to have a look at yeah, some lads to he, experiment a little well, bit? Th- this is where he lets himself down because all season he's preached that he you know he, he classes these lads as, as first team players now and he will be getting a chance. We haven't seen it yet to any real extent other than Garbutt. Uh Browning's had a couple of out ones ironically in the probably the two biggest games of the season away at United and uh, away to Liverpool. Uh, but I'm talking about the likes of Ledson, um, you know, obviously Browning again as well. Garbutt, you know, these lads need blood quickly because you you know we, we mentioned the eye on the some of the, if we're getting rid of aging players or even if them aging players are staying I don't think there's going to be a big war chest that we're going to have to the extent of which sort of by Lukaku last season, I don't think that's going to be there so I think these lads need to learn the Premier League very very quickly um, and you know vastly quickly become assets to Everton that can start next season confidently rather than still being in the same situation that they're in at the moment I think it's difficult um, because I, I agree with you in terms of he needs to get these results but I think what he doesn't want is for it to be edgy from day one next season but I do think it is an opportunity it is an opportunity to give to give two or three young lads eight games at the Premier League and it's an opportunity that very few sides actually ever get um, you know everyone Else, the little that little mid-table section Everton have found themselves in now that they're now in the bottom, the bottom part of probably probably Everton up to say Swansea. Everyone else sort of 
constantly has things to chase, constantly has things to do. Whereas Everton are in the position of being able to say, we can we can look at something. But then simultaneously, you don't want to put that vibe over to the squad because you don't want anyone knocking off. Mm. Because there's no point bringing these lads in only if they're looking at the senior pros and they've got buckets and spades out. Well, this is why I don't think he'll do it. Because he, he, he says, which, you know, to his credit, he says the last eight games are like cup finals. And I think he actually does believe in that. He believes that himself that they are, which is why I can understand him not necessarily blooding some youngsters but in terms of the longevity of his tenure at Everton I think he very much needs to because there's not going to be an influx of players in the summer well, I, what, I really don't think there will be well with one eye on the summer I mean I think that the, the, the other thing as well about Everton's league position is one of the things that shifted for Everton in the summer just gone was that sides were more reluctant to loan to Everton hmm. whereas now that, that might have flipped on its head again they might, yeah, that, might, not, might not be happy to loan to Everton it's the first and the second thing is as well I think Everton have got to use the going to have to use the free transfer market quite quite wisely as well look at yeah. lads like for instance Adam Lennon who I'm certain Spurs wouldn't want uh, anymore you know he's, mm-hmm. I, I don't, don't see Adam Lennon going back to Spurs but I'm not I'm just using Lennon as an example yeah. but players like that are where Everton may well need to might need to go and get a couple of those yeah. sorts of lads you need to be very very shrewd I mean you, you look at at the end of last season, we were touting Everton as probably, you know, the, the the side most likely in the Premier League that anybody would loan a player to because of what they could ultimately do to your football. You know what I mean? That, what they could do to young kids. Look what they did to De La Feu, for instance, uh, who come on leaps and bounds in a short period of time. I probably think from that perspective they did a little too well for mm. people's liking and like you say it may well be uh, that it's flipped on its head now and we can go and pursue those sorts of things again we can go and become uh, you know a slight little feeder club for Barcelona well for, for us to blow Barcelona's youngsters which wouldn't be any bad thing but um, you know it, it, it's sad that Everton are that club I, th- I think in a lot of ways. I think Martin has, I, we, we were just chatting there in the break. I think Martin has got the toughest. Uh, could well end up having the toughest summer in football, to be honest, because there's going to be there's clear things that need sorting out. Yeah. And he, you know, he's, he's not a stupid man. He will know th- what the things that need sorting out are. But the the, the things that are difficult to sort. Yeah. Well, the good thing is I, nobody's going to come knocking on your door for Lukaku because they're not going to let him go uh, unless the, a crazy bid comes in, which you wouldn't imagine he's done enough to to you know get that sort of bid coming knocking at Everton's door. So. Lukaku stays, so therefore build a team around him. What's good for Lukaku? You know, he's scored 18 goals so far this season. in a poor side. Let's start there. Let's build our team around him. Ross Barkley, you want to keep him at the, the epicentre of everything that goes on. You know, he's very much a, a you know, a, a stature at the club. Mm-hmm. Ross Barkley, he's a, he's a talisman for the club. Get these lads... Get them in. Say, you know, what do you think's best for you here? What what should we build our team around? That's where you start. I think you don't start by thinking, well, let's get you know Tim Howard in here. Let's get yeah Gareth Barry in here. What's good for you boys? Well, you know, you're not going to be in two three years. A lot shorter, hopefully. Um, but you know, let's let's have some common sense about it. Let's build the team for a sustainable future. Yeah, sound think, like a politician, don't you? You do very much sound like a politician. Uh, the idea of a, a new Everton, a bright Everton, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a sustainable Everton. Yeah. I think it's. Uh, I, 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 we will have our day in the sun. Indeed, all that sort of stuff. You've never had it so good. Yeah. Uh, I think. I, I think it's the hardest. As I say, I do think it's a really, really difficult job, and I think it starts now. I think. I think that's what the both the pressure off, but the pressure is also now bang on. I think it's mm. a, it's both of those things simultaneously. Uh, effectively, uh, Everton twenty Everton twenty fifteen starts sort of. 15 15, 16, so it starts now next week. I think it starts now. You've got to start looking at pre-season right now. You've got to go all the way now. The disaster that was the last one. Uh, All right, then. This has been all in the game this week with Neil Atkinson and David Downey. What have we learned? We've learned just don't get sent off after 38 seconds as a professional footballer. If you could not do that, that would be great. And then we could all find out what Liverpool would do. We've also learned that basically, Everton. (laughs) 
It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson.